are a lot of families who are facing divorce. One of the main concerns they have is the impact that the divorce will have on their children. Today, I'm honored to have Jennifer Leister as my guest. Jennifer is a licensed professional counselor. She is the owner of Jennifer Leister and Associates, and she is very experienced in helping families navigate the transitions that come with divorce. Jennifer, I'm so excited to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, one of the things you've done is to write a book uh, for children to help them understand the divorce process. Can you tell us about your books? So yes, uh, Meet Max, Learning About Divorce from a Basset Hound Perspective <laughs> is the first book that explains divorce um, to children um, you know, 11, 12 years and younger. Um, and then Max Meets Emma, Learning About Blended Families <laughs> from a Basset Hound's Perspective is when the cat moves in. So Max, the dog, has to understand what it's like to start sharing his, you know, beloved, you know, owner, um, the son Max. And so the second book, Max Meets Emma, is really the introduction of a significant other all the way through um, how to healthy blend. And both books deal with all the emotions that children, you know, face during times of change. And so Meet Max and Max Meets Emma are, you know, a they are a labor of love, and uh, I really, um, I think they have a great message and really good for families. So let's talk a little bit about your experience in working with children. I know you work with teenagers, but you also work with young children um, who are going through life transitions, and divorce is one of those. What what do you see um, for young children when their their world is changing? So that's a great question. Um, so I, I usually start seeing children clinically at about age five. Um, children under five, sometimes I work with them, um, but some of those kiddos really do need a registered play therapist. So if the children are extremely verbal, um, I do still work with children that young. Um, I find that most of the kiddos that I work with, let's say, you know, 10 and under, what we focus on the most is really at appropriate developmental stage, of course, is the understanding of what's happening. And so some of my classic language that I use when working with young children is that, you know, your family has two homes. Um, and I really try to focus on your relationship with your mommy and your relationship with your daddy doesn't have to change, even though the husband and wife relationship is changing. So we do a lot of play, um, read a lot of children's books, a lot of artwork, uh, just a lot of appropriate play and really acclimating and understanding um, that their family is changing from one home to two home, but love is permanent. And so I use analogies like sunshine, how love is like the sun and the sun touches both homes, regardless of which home they're in. And that love is, is the same. So we just, we do so much, um, you know, developmental play to just really try to reinforce that divorce doesn't alter relationship. It just changes the way the, the family is, um, presenting or functioning, but it still functions the same in two homes. What is um, a good indicator that um, maybe a child should begin seeing a therapist? So I, I do try to help families recognize if their children has any regression, that is a great sign that they could use some outside support and care and education and processing. Um, so any type of change in 
educational needs, if their grades have changed, if um, your younger kiddos have regressed to you know, bedwetting or thumb sucking or separation anxiety has started back up. Um, another indicator would be um, difficulty with transitions. When children are transitioning, going from mom's house to dad's or dad's house back to mom's house, um, if they transition well, then that's a great sign that they are really adjusting in a healthy, developmentally appropriate way. Transitions, I think, are a key indicator to how your kiddo is doing. If there is a lot of struggle, then they may need outside support other than just mom, dad, and family, and teachers, or their, you know, their church or clergy. And so sometimes children, a good indicator would be if, if really the separation anxiety, difficulty sleeping, um, especially on transition days. So if that, there's obviously a normal phase that children go through that they need time to adjust. So there's always a little bit of regression and tears in the beginning. But if you don't see progress over 30, 45 days, or you see things getting worse, would be definitely a good time to reach out to a, a therapist. Do both parents need to be involved in the therapy or the selection of the therapist? What advice do you have for parents maybe who don't see eye to eye on the issue of therapy? So some of that is a personal preference or your clinical training or foundation. I personally believe um, that yes, both parents should be involved. I find if I'm working, especially with young children, but really even my adolescent population, I want to work with both parents. If both parents have some form of shared custody, regardless of the actual possession schedule or parenting plan, as I like to call it, regardless of how many nights they live with either parent, um, I do think both parents should be involved because I like to give a lot of parent feedback and coaching on how to do things better. And if I only have one parent involved, one parent gets the benefit of my coaching and education and training and the other parent doesn't have. So I find that can create an imbalance on what the children are seeing in their two homes. But the other key point on why I find it is so important to work with both parents is I want the child to see that I care about both parents. And when parents alternate bringing their children to therapy and we do joint family sessions, like that feedback if or when is appropriate, I want the child to see that I care about both of their parents because children fundamentally, of course, they love mom and dad, regardless of which home they live in. And I find it sends a deeper message to the child when both parents participate and they know that both parents care about their health and wellness and understanding of divorce. Um, sometimes there's a question about confidentiality with children and especially when you're also working with parents. Um, and parents may wanna know the details of what you're discussing in therapy session. How does that work when you're, when you're working with a child? Oh, that's a great question. I'm gonna break it down into <laughs> two parts. Um, obviously with the younger kiddos, um, I don't spend a lot of time explaining to them how confidentiality works. Um, I do take time to at least explain it on, on their age appropriate level. I do tell parents, I will give them feedback on themes that we talk about, what I think would be beneficial or helpful to helping the child. So I'll give coaching and feedback um, on developmental appropriate topics, but the words children say, they're actual like quotes. I do try to keep confidential unless the child gives me permission to share. With my teenagers, I spend a lot more time talking about the limits of confidentiality. There's a course for under our code, right? Um, suspected any type of child abuse or self-harm is, is a, is a deal breaker, right? We have to disclose those things. But um, 
I do try to give teenagers more privacy than I do my littles because I want them to feel safe with me, of course. Um, but when I know teenagers are telling me something that really does affect the family, uh, for example, if one parent is using them as a messenger or the parents had conflict, if that was occurring, is causing depression or anxiety. Um, you know, those things, I, I really do try to get the teenager to give me permission to open that up and either send them to a family therapist if appropriate, um, if not to allow me to do parent coaching to really try to decrease the stress that the divorce is putting on the adolescent. But I really try hard to never do that without their permission. Uh, one thing I know that can be confusing for people are the different roles that therapists play. So, for example, um, a, you know, a husband and wife may be seeing a therapist for marriage counseling and want that same therapist to be the children's counselor. Um, is that advisable or even allowed? And what do you recommend with regards to individual counseling? So that, too, is a pretty complicated <laughs> question. And so some of it really comes down to geography um, right here in North Texas. Um, you know, there's really a therapist on every corner. <laughs> and so I am pretty strong in my boundary that if I'm in one role, of course, our licensure says you can never be in a dual role. Um, if you're the marital counselor, I do think you need to stay the marriage counselor. But I'm also, you know, try to be sensitive to out in rural communities or other areas around this state or in other states, you may not have as many child-centered or registered play therapists who can see children. And so sometimes I try to be more sensitive that therapists have to do what they believe is best, but especially in, in the Metroplex, um, I really like therapists to stay in their lane and whatever they, you know, I, I always tell therapists when I'm training, especially my employees, is who is your patient? And you never want your client to be confused on who was your client at the time. And so I just think it is cleaner, more ethical, most appropriate to not ever blur those roles. Uh, but just because you're working with um, a child doesn't mean that you're not going to be involved in working with the parent. So how, when you are treating a child as your patient, what does that relationship with the parents look like? I, you've been mentioning coaching, and, and I know that's one of the things that you do so well is to give good feedback to parents. So I'm just kind of curious about how that relationship looks like. So the, the actual way that I explain that to parents is that I am here to be an extension of your child. And so when I'm the child's therapist, the individual therapist, all of my coaching given back to the parent is really exclusively based on the child's needs. And so if either the parent starts saying, well, well, what about me and how I feel? Or what about my need or my anxiety or my depression? I am not going to treat that. I am not going, I'm gonna obviously, you know, validate it, respect it, but I'm gonna boundary those needs. And I'll offer either a family therapy referral or their own individual. Um, therapist for their needs. And so it is really important to me, based on my training, to give that parent feedback. Um, but it is truly that. It is all the coaching and feedback I give is how to take care of my client's needs. Um, okay, the other thing I want to talk about is just the difference because you are working with adolescents, but then you are working with children five and above. So what does therapy look like for a child who's like five to seven versus, you know, a 13 or 14 year old? So I am very fortunate in my office to have a pretty established playroom. Um, so there are a ton of toys, uh, male and female. Um, any child is allowed to explore any toy they want. Um, I also have an art room. Um, 
I don't do Santray anymore, but I know a lot of therapists who specialize in children also offer like Santray and music therapy. So there's a lot of other techniques that other therapists can employ to really keep the children engaged. We know developmentally children learn through play, right? And so we know that to be able to really process, understand, feel, and a lot of children who can't truly express, it's very hard to talk about themselves from an I statement. And so it is much easier for some of my kiddos to be able to use toys and to be processing maybe a fight between mom and dad or a difficult transition. And so they'll use, whether it's toys or stuffed animals or art or you know other activities that I have in the playroom um, to really work through those types of thoughts and feelings that they have. And then um, to answer the second part of your question with my teenagers, um, I always love it when like a big old 17 year old, six foot two, you know, big kid is like, hey, is that Candyland? <laughs> um, and so it's really great. But the majority of my teenagers, right, they, they really do um, engage more in talk therapy. Um, so kind of my 10 to 14, I find uh, like to play dominoes and some other, you know, some types of card games or something. So they don't just have to sit on the couch and stare at me. Um, but some of my teenagers, they just engage in very normal, you know, talk therapy. If a family right now is, you know, living in conflict um, and considering whether or not to divorce, what advice do you have for them um, just in general about, you know, the impact that divorce can have on children um, and maybe things they can do to help mitigate the negative impact that it can have? So I, I love your question and I'm, I'm going to kind of start with saying, um, you know, reading AFCC journals and other books written on divorce. One of the things that I see consistently reported in the research is it isn't necessarily marriage or divorce. That is a, um, like I said, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm so sorry. Um, a precursor to if children are healthy or maladjusted. What we're looking for, what the research shows, is this really conflict. And so we want, I want families to know, whether married or divorced, children can grow up happy, healthy, resilient, um, developmentally appropriate, launch into adulthood without any complication or concern. And it doesn't matter if it's married or divorced. Mm -hmm. It comes down to healthy relationship, healthy parenting, healthy co-parenting, whether that's in one home or two home. Are you working together as a parental unit or are you working against one another? So whether that happens in marriage or divorce, I, I truly believe that I have seen very healthy, well-adjusted children living in two homes. And I have seen children truly hurting in marital families in their intact home but the family has a ton of conflict. And so I do believe the research and what I've seen through AFCC and some other um, you know, journal articles that specialize in divorce, it really is about the conflict. And so I do encourage any family who is struggling with conflict to seek out marital counseling and to do everything they can to um, preserve their marriage. But if a husband and wife finds that divorce is necessary and then you know, I do, I do tell all my clients who come to me for a consult on how to tell children about divorce is that they really just have to look at their conflict. And if you just cannot resolve the conflict, then raising children healthy in two homes 
could be more impactful. I think that's such an interesting point because um, I mean I have often said to people, and I and it's good to know that the the research backs this up, but you know divorce in and of itself isn't what I see as causing the pain in the the child relationships, but really it is the conflict. And you don't have to be divorced to have conflict in the home. In fact, there are lots of homes with high levels of conflict. And we just, we know that that has such a negative impact on the lives of children. Um, tell us a little bit more about kind of what, um, what led you to create the Max books, because I think there's such a helpful tool um, for helping parents maybe find a way to talk about what this change in the family structure is going to look like. So in my own experience with working with children and what my clients were reporting back to me, um, Dinosaurs Divorce has been around for years, right? I would say that's a book that most professionals are, are very um, comfortable using and are aware of. Um, it's a great book and it has sold I'm sure millions of copies and it when it was written I, I mean it was a phenomenal book I personally um, started finding that I wasn't reading the entire book in session because the book started out explaining divorce and the feelings that children go through which is all very appropriate information but the book also includes um, second marriages and so I found in the beginning I was reading half the book because I didn't want in one setting to be explaining divorce, but also explaining blended families. And so I was only reading half a book in session and I had a kiddo, uh, you know, just make a comment about that. And I was like, maybe I should try to separate out the books. And I do still use that book in session. I still reference the feelings um, that there's a page in the book that is very well written, uh, that it has like eight different feelings that children feel. And so I'll still use those different feeling faces to help children really recognize all those feelings are appropriate. But I really, it drove me to want to write these books so um, the children could just really separate out the two different topics. And when I researched how many books were just written on blended families, I just, I really wanted to continue to develop the Mac series. And so stay tuned. Maybe there's <laughs> more coming, I hope. So where can people find your Max books? Uh, they are for sale on Amazon, um, just under Meet Max or Max Meets Emma. And then um, I also have maxmeetsbooks.com. And so you can also purchase them off the off the website or jenniferconseling.com. They're on both of my websites. And you also have a really helpful video too for families. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the video? So yes, it's a very inexpensive video just explaining um, how to tell your children you're divorcing. And so I have scripted the conversation for um, any parents who are wanting more information on what exactly to say to their children or teenagers. Um, and so it just gives you some bullet points and some language to use um, to just set it up as appropriately as you can. We know that that conversation is going to be a big and impactful conversation in the life of that child. It's just going to be one of those moments probably that they won't forget is when they learned that their mom and dad were getting a divorce. Um, what, what tips? Uh, just can you summarize real quick um, that people need to know when they're getting ready to have that conversation? So just 
really quick tip, um, do the conversation together anytime that you can. Uh, find children, process and receive the information when both mom and dad, um, or two moms or two dads, um, just whoever their parents are, if they are sitting together telling their children, um, our family is going to change. And I tell families, use the word divorce. Um, don't think of it as a taboo word. Children need to be able to understand, say the word, and know that it's it's not a dirty word. Um, divorce is what their family is going through, and to be able to use the language. Um, I talk, I tell families, I tell parents um, to say things like, our family is changing, right? We have decided to divorce. And I will tell parents to really concretely separate out, this is more for like 12 and under, the husband and wife, dynamic this relationship between husband and wife has come to an end but being mom and dad is forever and i tell families to really be very concrete in their language and saying the husband and wife role has come to an end uh, that way children can continue to hear language mom loves you dad loves you mom is forever dad is forever those roles never change because it is the husband and wife dynamic that has come to an end. They are always parents. That also helps me link parents to some accountability to one another, that they are forever parents, even post-divorce, and to continue to work on their co-parent relationship, which I recognize takes time and adjustment and new boundaries, but it can be achieved. I have very healthy, well-adjusted, beautiful families that I work with post-divorce that the children are thriving. And so if you find yourself facing a difficult situation and if you are thinking about ending your marriage and you're thinking about divorce, I do wanna offer hope because um, collaborative divorce definitely provides a foundation um, to ending a marriage, but setting up a co-parent relationship and restructuring what that relationship looks like and the communication and boundaries that are needed to raise children in two homes. Okay, you're gonna have to stick around and we'll do another part to talking about collaborative divorce and how that can help families. Jennifer, I wanna thank you for taking time today to come and share with us some of your wisdom and insight that you've gleaned from working with kiddos in the divorce um, for families who are going through divorce. I think you do, you are such a tremendous resource in our North Texas region. And I, I just, I feel thankful to, to get to know you and to have benefited and learned so much from you. So thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me.